Welcome to episode 14 of Inside the Table, a tabletop RPG talk show. A show in which we talk about the craft of role-playing tabletop actual play games. My name is Cole. You can follow me at Ice Cole Brew, and my pronouns are he, him, they, them. And joining me today is my co-host. Hi, my name is Molly. You can follow me at Minor Lenahan on Minor underscore Lenahan on Twitter and at Minor Lenahan think with a hyphen on on co-host i'm also on hive there's been a lot of social media stuff for the last couple of weeks there's been a lot of new social media stuff oh that reminds me i should check and see if my co-host has trick uh started up it probably has anyway my pronouns are he him yo <laughs> today we're talking about a uh uh today we are talking about breaking games my brain shut down immediately <laughs> that's worrying oh my god wow that's just kind of how brains work some days we are breaking games and breaking minds you're doing two things at once you're like searching through to see if your co-host is working and you're also reading out the intro <laughs> you know how it goes you know how it goes um yeah but yeah we are going to be talking about breaking games and breaking thoughts and breaking minds but first Marley, I have a question for you. What have you been up to? Because I'm very excited about this point because I just started recently, so. Okay. What I have been up to, and I have as I have written down, is Andor! Andor! Andor, the 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 the, the Star Wars television program, uh, has has recently completed. And so my single note of what I've been up to is Andor exclamation mark. Um, to give you an introduction of what Andor is, um, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, there was a time of disrest between the Empire and the Resistance. Uh, <laughs> uh, basically, Andor is a uh, fun kind of prequel thing to a prequel thing of of, of Rogue One, which is following a uh, Cassian Andor as he as he becomes a revolutionary in star wars and it's really good and it's really fun to sort of like watch and sort of see things come together and it recently finished so i'm, I'm just gonna i if you haven't finished it is that right i have not finished it uh i just got done with um i think it's episode eight okay so you haven't i thought like you're on episode one i'm like i don't want to talk too much about it no no i'm uh i am past the scum and villainy phase and now i'm in the downtime phase if that makes sense what's the scum and villainy phase uh you know how in scum and villainy sometimes you'll like go out and do a score oh yeah yeah, yeah. and then you have downtime yeah and then you have downtime uh i'm after the yeah. big scum and villainy pl- phase there's a lot of big scum and villainy. I, I think that's the best way i can say it without like spoiling for people who are out here I need it. Hold on. Uh, here we go. I am on episode seven announcement. Right, 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 right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it is. I've been having fun with the show. Um, mm. it's been very exciting to like watch. And I, there was a note so long ago, a post of some kind, and I think it was on Tumblr, where they talked about the Star Wars universe is so interesting and fascinating if they can just keep it off the fucking Jedi. Yeah. And Andor's an Andor's a good example of that. Well kind of. When you get to episode when you get to the final episode, there's like some interesting shit happening there with like the force. 
Um, but I agree, not focusing on the Jedi is 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 really really interesting, and especially like focusing on side characters and just focusing on the world of 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 Star Wars is just great. Um, yeah, but it's 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 so much fun to see like side characters and like locations you don't normally see. Like Tatooine doesn't show up, and I'm like, yes, I don't have to see that planet anymore. <laughs> And it's, it's amazing. I'm like holding myself back because I don't want to talk about it too much because again, episode seven is fairly, like fairly deep into, into that, uh, fairly deep into the series, but there's just so much other shit that happens. Like there is like 12 episodes in total. The last one came out last week and my God, a lot happens in those, in those math. One, two, three five episodes so yeah it's it's amazing but i also just love the initial like series of episodes that you have there yeah i really like it it's very funny because like i when i initially heard of the series i was just like who gives a shit about cassie and ando i didn't like rogue one it was kind of bad but then like this is like oh as everyone on twitter and co-host and everything else is saying it's like one of the best things that come out of star wars in years and I like it. It is good. I'm I'm recording my enthusiasm for this thing. Uh, I kind of liked Rogue One though. I thought Rogue One was interesting. I like the I like the score of it. You know, I like the side characters. I like specifically didn't like Andor, and I didn't like. Ooh, uh, I'm losing you there. I didn't like him. I like the robot. I like the 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 priest. Uh, K nine K eight, and yeah the. And the guy with the gun, mm-hmm. they were great. All these, I didn't like, I didn't like, um, the guy who lost his memory or whatever. I thought he was kind of like, eh, but yeah, it's like, I feel like it's almost like I need to rewatch it because I've been watching like Michael Clayton, um, since I watched Rogue One and Michael Clayton is the thing by, um, Tony Gilroy, which is a, a George Clooney film about, corporate espionage and stuff like that and i really really like michael clayton um so maybe it's time for reappraising rogue one but i don't know i remember watching it just being like i don't really care about any of the main characters i love all the side characters i love the lore they throw out like that's when they introduced that the the death star is made up of lightsaber crystals or whatever and i thought hey that's neat i like that even though everyone who likes so was just like that's the worst part I can't believe they've done this to us. But yeah, maybe it's time to rewatch it. But I remember playing it very boring. <laughs> I, you know, I, like, it, it's a fun show. I think it did its job well. Yeah. Fun movie, you mean? Yeah. Andor, no complaints. It's good. God, Andor is wild. I've been so excited to watch this as a show. Mm. And you get to binge it. I had to watch it week by week. It was exhausting. I, Yeah, I was kind of happy that i did that because i definitely wanted to uh wait until like the entire show was out and also uh i was waiting until basically black friday to where disney plus and everything else is gonna be a little bit less expensive yeah that's true Mm -hmm. anyway that's that's what i've been up to that's what's been inspiring me lately especially the later episodes because holy shit that is that has been my inspirational thing and i thought i'd shout it out because everyone's talking about it currently and I want to mark this down for history that it came out and I was there. And you were there. And you were there. <laughs> and you were there. No. Um, yeah. No, that was. It's a very fun show. I highly recommend people check it out. And uh, 
give it a nice little walk uh watch through you know hmm. um i really like a lot of what it's trying to do as well i like that it is kind of showing up a very like who gets caught in between the lines in society and such and like everyone's different struggles and character arts arcs i think that's really cool it's very interesting. I love I love Luthen's character in that um, Luthen Rail Rail Luthen, uh, whoever that is. I think it's Luthen. Who yeah. knows what his character name is? But I, he's like one of these characters that came into the show and just like felt like he's been there since like since the first like since episode four. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I really like the show. Really like the characters. I really like Fiona Shaw, who like um, the mother of Andor who uh reminds me of a certain npc in like disco elysium and who's always been my my face cast for for her for the for the lady on the boat which we were talking that, about that in the pre-show but yes i love fiona shaw she's really good in um killing eve as well Ooh, that's another show i need to go back to really good season one and two are really good <laughs> and one episode from season three i think killing eve is so cool that show did not go well in the end anyway yeah what what have you been up to let's <laughs> so switching gears here and talking about me yes you know uh you announced on the episode last last time but uh holly and i are now engaged and we are working Congrats. on through that oh yeah thank you it was nerve-wracking to mm-hmm. say this but you know yeah we had like a general discussion beforehand and uh once i was like you know we're doing a lot of trips soon That'd be a good time to ask for if she wants to marry at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's been great. We are currently in the process of planning all that stuff out. It's going to be hopefully next year uh, by the time we get married. But we're also planning on like doing a small ceremony if we need to. Outside of that, though, I guess like inspirations wise, I've also been watching Andor. Yeah. Andor has been a lot of fun. I've been watching this anime called Bochi the Rock, which is about a girl who wants to be a rock star musician, like top tier, but she has severe social anxiety Mm -hmm. and the animations and like little stuff they do to show how anxious and just out of her comfort zone she is and how she is growing as a person is really cool to watch. And I've been enjoying that. Actually, I didn't put this in my notes, but there's a webtoon I've been reading called a melancholy her on uh, the webtoon app. And it is about a poet who gets blacklisted from a variety of venues because she calls out a uh, a magazine publisher who writes about all the new and upcoming poets as mm. uh, being over controlling and an asshole and doesn't know what true poetry is and all that. And come to find out she's right, but she is blacklisted from all these places. So she starts uh, doing poetry at a music venue and pops off. And yeah. What's been fascinating is like the artist's interpretation because they do not trust themselves to write good poetry and that capacity. So what they do instead is they make it more symbolic and they actually draw with uh draw what it feels like to be at the show hearing this poetry. And there's a whole yeah. bunch of different imagery and it's really cool to see that stylistically. Yeah. It's a it's a very fun read. Uh I'm still working my way through it, of course, but you know. Nice stuff. Yeah. Always love to see it. Um, after that, uh, I played, I did a playthrough of Citizen Sleeper. You finished? I finished one playthrough of Citizen Sleeper, and I'm waiting on the DLC to come out. Wait, 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 wait. In the next two minutes, there will be spoilers for 
Citizen, Sleeper, coming up. Please skip ahead by about two minutes to avoid spoilers. Thank you. When you say you play one playthrough, how many how many endings did you get? I have forgone the ending where I take the ship with uh, the guy who wants to get his daughter off. Yeah. I have forgone the ending yes. where uh, I can be free and join a computer AI and just leave my body behind. Slash mushroom. Slash mushroom. Uh, I have. Yeah. I think I also skipped the ending where I helped someone get a part of their ship back. Yeah. And also have uh stopped someone from basically killing me and taking me over my con uh taking me back to the people that own the the sleeper body I have. I don't think that's one of the endings, but I remember that happening. That's when you beat up the Blade Runner in the yeah in the tropical shirt. Yeah, yeah. I kicked his ass. Yeah. And got my ass kicked, too. Me, too. That was great. I love that encounter. It's a good encounter. It, the guy sucks. Yeah. What a piece of shit. I did like it. It was very fun. Spoiler warning for Citizen Sleeper there. Yeah, we should probably... Um, In the next two minutes, there will be spoilers for Citizen Sleeper coming up. Please skip ahead by about two minutes to avoid spoilers. Thank you. I don't think it was two minutes. Uh, I don't <laughs> but yeah, uh, that was good. I was going to like I was trying to do it just then or I could just like cut it in organically. So that works. I will also put that one in. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I I had like a really good time playing Citizen Sleeper and it led mm. me to starting a solo playthrough Disco Elysium. And I'll probably be after our notes later. Yeah. Uh, Disco Elysium so fucking cool. Also, Pentiment came out, which is strongly inspired by uh, Disco Elysium, uh, which is it's the new Obsidian game. And it's very fun because I was watching like in like 2019, I was seeing like Josh Sawyer playing through Disco Elysium and leaving a bunch of notes on Twitter. And I'm just like, all right, in three years, this is going to be something. And it was. And I'm just like, yes, I'm so excited for this. Mm-hmm. So I'm playing through Pentiment and it's it's good so far. And yeah. I guess after that, I've also been playing the new Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can actually see me playing that on Twitch as well. And What's the link? Uh, Twitch.tv slash IceColdBrew. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. On that one, that one's been a lot of fun just because of uh, the way Holly and I have been playing it, where more or less we've been just kind of running around. And Holly and I have two very different play styles when it comes to this game. Like very, mm-hmm. very different play styles. Uh, I like to more or less play, um, explore everything, level everyone up equally, uh, try mm. all this different stuff the entire time. And Holly likes to play, you know, having a dedicated team and moving around in that way. And so she'll typically play like that. So you can actually see us both having like a very different mindset when it comes to the game. Yeah. But the Pokemon there are so much fun i like a lot of designs but it's also really funny to just like see everyone like clipped and frame right dropping frames if they're just like more than 10 feet away from your character i've been so my favorite way of playing pokemon is to not play it uh, i've never played a pokemon game and my main way of playing it was basically watching you you two play it and just being like oh this is how you get hats <laughs> or something just googling like like little guides and like saying oh this is how you get a hat and like changing costumes which there aren't many costume options it's really disappointing you have like four main clothing and then like 
a bunch of items that you buy from the shops and it's like not much customization mm -hmm. it's not very good yeah i imagine they're going to like a dlc friendly uh format soon which is going to fucking suck do they do dlcs currently they don't but i can't help but imagine that they will mm. pokemon's in a very interesting spot where because they want to change everything over so so fucking quickly it's going to be so weird in a few years when they realize they are so out of touch with their audience, honestly. They've been out of touch with their audience for years, though. And it's, it's one of those things that people say, like, this is a billion dollar franchise and they just keep releasing the same game over and over again. Yeah. And like, I remember people being so excited about like the open world nature of Arceus or Arceus, depending on if you're in, uh, in, in, in an English speaking country or in, or in Japan. Because apparently it's different pronunciations on either one. Mm -hmm. And people really liked that game because it was open world, but people were also really disappointed with the game because it looked really ugly. And I think there was something about trees I remember hearing. But yeah, I remember like looking at Arceus and like not having a Switch and just being like, that seems good. I'm not going to buy a Switch, but I'm glad they're doing something more interesting. They have a lot of good ideas in there, but I think the biggest issue I have is it should have stayed in the oven for like another two years. Another two years, really? <laughs> Holy shit. They put this in crunch time because they were, yeah, like you said, they released Arceus and that was open world and people like that. Yeah. Cool. Refine the formula. Wait a while because, like, your employees need a break. Yeah. It's like do the, the, the Assassin's Creed thing where they, like, they made, like, one game a year and then they took a break and they came out with uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And I remember, like, mm -hmm. Assassin's Creed Odyssey was my first Assassin's Creed game, and I liked it, because it was just like, oh, it's cool, it's, they're doing something completely different, and it's really interesting. Um, and I think they're currently wearing out that formula, but it's like, I, I would love them to do something new. I like, I'm, I'm, I'm finding out that I really like when corporations do weird things, and doing the same old stuff is not as interesting. Yeah, that's a thing. Doing weird things is not safe for them. <laughs> no. But it's necessary. It's so necessary. <laughs> they need to keep it fresh, so they have to try weird. Yeah. But, you know, they're going to panic in the meantime. It's kind of why I like ending games so much is just because, like, yeah. yes, sometimes it's a buggy mess, but you know what? At least I'm having fun. Yeah. What's that Sonic meme? Hold on. I want... Sonic Frontiers. Worse. <laughs> yeah, I want worse games. Oh, God. Uh, games need to be shorter and worse. Yeah, I want shorter games with worse graphics made by people who are paid more to work less, and I'm not kidding. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, who is that? Is that Chip Cheesem, or is that, uh... Let me see. Is that Jordo? I don't know. That's okay. Let's talk about tabletop games. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about tabletop games. Uh, here, I'll start in swinging first, because there was a really fun playbook that I got to do for a one-off in, uh, the Huntsman Tydra's, uh, tabletop group for Fire in the Dark, just to kind of do some prep work, and... Yeah. Get us all in a vibe of what it's like to play Blades in the Dark game. I have never forgotten how to play Blades in the Dark, and I never will. I love that game so fucking much. Oh, I mean, how do you craft items? <laughs> yeah. Tinker roll. Next question. Yeah. Anyway. How many how many what how many steps? What are the questions you ask? Good God. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I get to in this one-off, we were playing assassins of a group that the streamed group has gotten to meet and work with before called the Damned. And we were one of their, like, offshoot agents who fucked up a job. Yeah. Our next score, in order to keep us alive, was to fix our mistake and kill a demon mm -hmm. and all that. 
and I played the Desperado playbook from Unusual Suspects Jam by Skelpy Lemmer. Lemmer. Skelpy Lemmer? Oh, let me make sure I got their name right, because they actually... Nope, they are not one of those people yeah. that put their name in. But uh, they've also made the Werebeast and the Corsair playbook. They've made the Urchin's Crew playbook. But the Desperado is so fun as a uh, playbook. You have uh, a lot of different moves, but the ones I specifically picked were to be there for maximum destruction. Mm-hmm. And what I really love about this playbook is you are a gunslinging cowboy, basically. You are a gunslinging wanderer who found two cursed revolvers. And these revolvers are possessed and experimental in so many different ways. They are a prototype weapon powered by some strange kind of darkness and bound to you by the same. It asks you the question, what do you feel when you look at them? And I put my answer as heat, unbearable, blinding heat. Uh, I will say my uh, score, the score ended with me having burnt hands and subtly demonic crispy legs. <laughs> Gross. Uh, mostly because I got burnt by a demon. Yeah, I assumed. So the Jamie, the GM, let everyone take two abilities and some extra skill points just to say, hey, this is going to be a long score. And it was. We played for six hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wait, is this like one session in six hours or is it three? One session in six hours. One one score in six hours, I mean. Yeah, we were running kind of off the uh, waterfall rules of like you can continue to get trauma. You're just going to have to deal with that. You will still be in action. That's good. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we got to take two special abilities and the two I took were shoot first. When you act violently without arranging it with your team, take plus one D and you can trade position for effect and vice versa as much as you like. How's your team feel about you striking out without them? (laughs) And to represent that, the very first thing I did when we were in the score was I was going the opposite direction of a party because uh, we had one character who was like a disgraced noble, but knew how to carry themselves in the area. And we had another person who was a slide who could stealthily like present themselves and i'm just like a uh just like a wandering uh wandering cowboy walking in going yeah that's not my scene i'm going the other way and as soon as i went to the other way i ran into three people having a threesome and a hot spring what that jesus yeah and so my uh because we were told like hey make characters who are ready to kill i made a character who was ready to kill and so the first thing i did was pull out some knives and throw them without Anyone in the party knowing. Wait, these poor ice people having a threesome. You just it, came It's in? rich people. We're in a cult, you know? But, I mean, okay. I guess. And they're trying to win favor, and they snuck away from the rest of the party, so there are only three people. <laughs> and I think my favorite part of the scene was, like, I go into the room, I see them, I throw my knives, I quick kill, mm-hmm. and there is a pitcher of cucumber water sitting on, like, a pillar, like a little podium. Yeah. And I walk over have a sip of water, we cut away to the other two, and one of them tr- is trying to figure out where to go to next. They go through the one unlocked door to see me sipping cucumber water with three dead bodies in a, in a bathtub. Oh, Jesus. And Cole, this is horrible. It's awful. <laughs> and I'm like, it was really funny when they, it came in, they were like, what What happened? I was like, you left me unsupervised. Cole, this is bad. Don't do these things. <laughs> First of all, the people we worked with are not good people, but also, you know, no witnesses. I guess. And I wanted to, like, get that ability out of the way because I thought it'd be really fun. The next ability I took was called Six Shooter. I saw this one. 
when a fight breaks out, start a six tick clock. Tick one segment every time your crew takes an action with a devil's bargain. When completed, your revolvers come alive to devastating effect. Just make sure your friends aren't around when they start firing. And narratively, it was just the most satisfying, most fun thing to make it like the the final kill on a demon by using the revolvers and just to terrifying effect too because we had cultists coming in trying to disrupt everything and at that point i was just like nah fuck it we're making a mess i think um at the end of the day i think we walked away with only one uh only two yeah no only two heat because we had a ability that uh when we kill someone on a score we don't take extra heat okay and you also killed all the witnesses which is good yes basically great <laughs> it was fascinating it was a fun ride to just make a character who was extremely destructive yeah and uh i'm very happy not to have to play that character consistently because it would it would not be that fun i think those kind of characters are good for a one-off no yeah so this so this was like a like this was not streamed this is just like a one-off mm-hmm. thing for uh, set in the world of fire in the dark is that right yeah that's cool so follow follow uh huntsman's hydra on twitch mm-hmm. what's the link yeah <laughs> uh, twitch.tv slash huntsman's hydra you can also find huntsman's hydra on twitter yeah and on um a co-host probably i Hold on. think co-host i actually not checked i should check um there's so many so many social media sites yeah. twitter is dying oh god twitter is weird um one thing to note though yeah, because I mentioned the time I had with the playbook as well. I got a recommendation from Rio Massa at Rio Massa on Twitter, who told me about this game called Bullet. Okay, spelled open bracket B X L L E T, and then the uh, little arrow symbol point to the right. And I'm going to be look checking that out soon. But currently, right now, it's five dollars on itch.io. I think it will still be five dollars. Five dollars. Nope. Actually, that's for a Creators Day weekend. It's ten dollars. Yeah. Damn. So yeah. So unfortunately, like, if we time this better, we'd be able to to say, "Hey, go support all these creators on itch.io for the November twenty two Creator Day sale, where a lot of profits go to creators." Um, but this is gonna come out on Thursday slash Wednesday. Oh wait, Thursday. It's gonna come out on Thursday. So yes, but but go out and support them anyway. Come, remember next year. To, to support people on itch.io mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah well like even support people on itch.io anyway because like they being able to view the page and then buy and download if you're able to of course or even shouting out the mm. game so huge to those indie creators because you're getting the mm. word out and you're getting people to try new things and that also in the long run helps them out to get to push more projects forward and if they want this to be a full-time gig it helps out you know and it's also like again, we want to have really interesting, strange products that take big swings, and Itch.io is a great place for all that. Um, if you want to see other games, listen to all of our podcast episodes about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, just quickly, what is what is Bookslet Bullet? Bullet is a game system about systems as a game about systems of violence and power in a world rebuilding itself. As wandering gunslingers, you travel the world and do what you can to help the people you encounter. Become more powerful the more bullets you carry, but you'll also struggle with the responsibility that power carries with it. Violence will come easily to you, but can you feed crops with rivers of blood? The game deals with issues of gun violence, exploitation, and apocalypse, and those sensitive to those issues should go into this fully aware. It is not a game for fascists, bigots, capitalists, or their lackeys. 
shouldn't be approached from a perspective that boils the complexities of the world into good guys with guns versus bad guys with guns. It also has a very fun combat rule, which I'm just seeing, which is uh, if you point a loaded gun at someone and pull the trigger, they die. Acceptance of this should be vanishingly rare if they exist at all. Your best way to survive a gunfight is to never get involved in one. Failing that, pray you shoot first. Mm-hmm. And that is a fun rule for a cowboy game. And yeah, it seems really cool. Why is it called Bixolit? I don't know. I guess it stands out. Yeah. It's like, if you call it Bullet, there's probably other games called Bullet. Wait, wait, wait. There's a comment in here from a year ago. It's shaped like a bullet. First off, the title is The Mechanic. What? This is a mechanic? Okay, from Shelf Schwa in the comments page. First off, the title is a mechanic. This is a beautiful user design and should be everywhere. Someone listened to Belonging Outside Belonging Resistance Systems like, what if Belonging Outside Resistance? Feels like it play really well with this mix. There's a desert in the rules and its bones provide shade for playbooks to gather. There's a setting to discover through these playbooks that's a delight to uncover move by move. I'm reading this and it sounds a little bit... I feel like I need to read the book to understand what this means. I... Yeah, this is fascinating. Um, I definitely need to pick this game up uh, right now, actually. So I'm going to be doing that discreetly. Uh, Tell me about what games you've been checking out while uh, I do this real quick. So speaking of Cowboys, uh, I played Desperados last week for uh, for the channel. We basically couldn't do an episode. Uh, You mean Notorious, not Desperados? Did I say Desperados? You said Desperados. Uh, I was looking at Desperados. Uh, speaking of, of, of cowboy games, Notorious. Uh, notorious is a word I found that I can't say as I was editing the last thing. I was like, no, 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 to, notoriety? No notoriety? Um, and yeah, it's really good. Um, if you want to have a listen to it, it's, it's, it's on the YouTube channel and it's also the previous episode of the podcast. But it's basically like you play as a bounty hunter. You arrive on a planet and you're going to find this person. And it's 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 a really fun random table kind of um, adventure where you accrue stats like um, let me quickly open it up. Um, you accrue stats. It's a very cool game. I actually listened to it the other day, hmm. and there's a lot of tables. There are a lot of tables, but the good news is it's mostly very intuitive. You basically, like, I am jumping between, like, the PDF a lot. And I think if you play the game, you probably will need a lot of bookmarks jumping back and forth between all these things. I had, like, 17 tabs open at any time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you basically go around accruing things like favor, uh, which is sort of like a, a, a modifier to, like, convince people and to talk to them and to get their idea about what the world is like. And there's also one called notoriety or not, notoriety, uh, which you use to essentially, like, you gain suspicion and you gain, like, infamy and people start paying attention to you. And if you get enough of it, you you encounter your target and or, or you encounter, like, people who will lead you to the target. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really good. It's um it's it's a really interesting way of sort of approaching random tables i've it's it's also like one of these systems that uh, it's not a hack i mean it is a hack of a game called ronin but it's not a typical hack in the same way that um you know like there's there's heart hacks there's there's blades in the dark hacks it feels like a game that has influence from something that i haven't encountered before which i always love coming across that it's just like oh this is a new system this is a fun new idea it's not like a re reinvention of something that i know this is like Oh, this is wild. This is new. 
and it uh, it so effectively tells the kind of story that 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 it is that it's like you spend like the first little while just bumbling around like like my character was like failing roles and like falling over and i was like playing and just being like i feel like such an idiot i'm like i'm like stumbling around like a fool i'm trying to prove myself and i know i'm playing this loser but i'm like surely i should be doing better than this and it gets to a point where you're just like oh i'm rolling like i'm getting leads on every roll and like oh i'm getting closer and closer to my target and then it has a great final mechanic where um having chased like a target the entire mission you come across them and then you roll to find out who they actually are and they they're often like not the person you thought they were they were like a key faction in the in the in the the planet you're on mm-hmm. or they're like a, someone close to you and you find out who they really are and it feels like one of these kind of like um i don't even know the genre of what what kind of thing it is but it's like oh i'm in one of these kind of movies i'm in one of these like you know bounty hunter movies that exist and we know um and it was just great it was such a fun experience uh the pacing was so good i was just going through it looking at all the different like like how much how, when you gain notoriety when you gain favor how long it takes i'm just like the math of figuring out when how long this game should take to to get all the things you need and to, to pace this game would just be I can't do it. Like, it's just so complicated to me. And I was just blown away by this. It was it was a really good game. It's, um, I'll quickly shout out who made it, which is Always Checkers, uh, who also made a game we previously shouted out, Last Sentinels. This is Jason Price. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the names. I love the, the planets having different factions. I love how much all the different factions are tied in. I love how it asks questions. Like, the tables don't just be like, roll to see what how people feel about you it, it's like it roll the roll this thing you get a random table and ask you a question so you have to stop and sort of think what kind of story am i telling what are my characters doing and it encourages you to think deeper about characters which i really 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 enjoy mm-hmm. and yeah i'm blown away by this game um i think i saw it on 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 itch i'm sure that i've i don't know if i've talked about it previously on this podcast but like what a game just like incredible thing um i'm definitely gonna check out like jason price and keep a close eye on jason price and like forever now because it's just like one of these games that just blew me away and yeah i think i said during the recording that i'm like i cannot wait for like the andor equivalent of this Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm just like this is this feels like the mandalorian but like i want to sit down and play like i want to play the mandal the the andor version of this and uh i think i'm going to be checking out galactic 2e or something like that by uh, Riley Rethel, um, or Going Rogue by by Jess something, uh, which are like uh, two belonging outside belonging games. One, uh, the Going Rogue is a hack of another game, um, because it feels like it's going towards that kind of Andor thing, and so yeah. So I'm basically on a I'm on a Star Wars Star Wars thing. So I'm just gonna check all those out. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, really good game. Hundred percent recommended. It. it was so much fun to play. And if you want to find out more, check out the the YouTube video that I made about it and the podcast. Yeah, you can find that either in the previous in the podcast feed where you found this episode, or you can also head over to our YouTube where you'll find that right next to our Rune playthrough as well. And we have a good link now. One of the things that changed, we have uh, YouTube.com slash at sign inside the table. Mm. Before it was just like a series of letters, and I had to make a bitly. 
to to get like an, an easy kind of thing going but now it just works and so check that out there um by complete contrast i've been playing Milkborg, uh which is a famous game which people know about it's by palin uh nilsson um it is it is about bad stuff happening in in a horrible place if you if you check out Morkborg, uh which means i think it means dark tower or was it called i think it means dark tower dark fort uh, dark yeah dark fort sounds more accurate um it is a really beautiful looking game but the layout which is one of the best things makes it kind of hard to read and sort of follow along with the rules here and there so so basically uh nick duff basically um lent me this book and uh, it was very fun to read through. It is it is a very brutal book. It is edgy. It is it is grim dark. It is all those things, and it was very interesting to read. Um, I did like a long, uh, co-post on co-host about it, where I was like going through page by page mm. and talking about like what my impressions are with it. And it is a very interesting thing because it is it is one of my few encounters with like osr type things i'm not entirely sure if this is purely osr but there's a lot of like rules where it's just like oh this is DD. i haven't encountered these rules in many years mm-hmm. i have forgotten this thing that that sounds right because osr old school renaissance kind of is a little bit more country and leans into those like DD kind of rules yeah uh and anytime i hear someone talk about that people are pointing out more and be like yeah that's osr and so like to to give a basic summary of it you play as a character um, with like a certain number of, of not very many hit points. Uh, I think it's called like hit resistance or something like this. And you basically wander around this place. You fight monsters. You gather treasures. You get wounded. You die. And then you make a new character very quickly. Um, it is a game where you're very disposable, where it is very... You have very little influence on the world and it's it's horrible. Um, one of the first the first rule you come across is what does the apocalypse look like? And you basically get like a um what is it called? You have a, a series of psalms. Psalms? How do you say that word? Like in the Bible. Where where it describes like different like horrible things that will happen. Mm-hmm. And so you basically roll on this table, which is written out like a, a bunch of psalms. To determine what is what is the horrible thing of the day. Like the lake and brook shall blacken and the water shall become tar, the trees shall wither, shrivel, and die, the birds shall fall dead from the sky. Those are three of them. And so you can basically roll to to have this happen. And so you're basically in the end times, things are going bad, it is very bleak, and you basically play until you get like the last, the very last um uh omen which means the game dies, the game ends, the world ends, and you burn the book. And it's, it's an interesting game. It is, it is, it is a strange one. Um, my first impression is reading through this is just like, I want to become, like one of the options is you can get like a donkey and you can also get like, uh, I think you can get like a monkey. And so my ideal character in this game is someone with no weapons He's just wandering around with my monkey and my donkey and just enc- encountering all the powerful beings. Like there's Dark Souls bosses everywhere. There's like a there's like a a person who's like a woman who's like porcelain white is like some kind of a vampire who's like sucking all the energy or all the color from the world. There's another person who's like 
a little bit fat phobic. It's kind of like they just mm-hmm. they just eat a lot. Uh, there's some kind of dark lord. It's there's like a lot of like Dark Souls bosses, and there's no rules for killing those Dark Souls bosses, which I'm kind of disappointed with because like you know it'd be fun to kill a boss like in a Dark Souls. And yeah, and 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 the other thing I would like to do is just wander around, and just be like, oh hi, King, how are you going? It's me and my donkey riding around doing all these things. I'm not here to fight. Let's talk my way out of this this problem. And um, I actually saw a uh, there was an actual play recently from uh, Fleet underscore Dietrich did a did an actual play did a tweet about an actual play about uh, uh about a bunch of people so the, the 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 pitch for this thing is the blood countess and Thelia is looking for a new lover and her gilded guttural board is the place to be can our heroes choose the right match for her or will the ranted party spirit end in death like i assume it's like running around and doing like sort of courtly intrigue and like finding matches and like doing this kind of thing which is exactly the kind of story i would love to do in a setting where it's like, you just die in murder and it's terrible. And yeah, to summarize, it's basically a game where I am reading through it and trying my hardest to not play the game, but really live in the world mm-hmm. and kind of challenge the boundaries of what is in here. And yeah, it's 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 a really bizarre experience because I'm like, like part, like every couple pages, I read something and I'm just like, oh, this is awful. I really don't like these random sanity tables and these things like this. Yeah. And then I re- read about like, you know, um, a character class where you have a singing blade, um, a court jester, a <laughs> incredible horse. And I'm just like, I want to play this game. I want to play this. This is incredible. I want to live in this world. I want to mess with all this stuff. Every, every couple pages it switches. Um, it's also a, like, speaking of, of tables, which I was doing before with Notorious, it has tables that aren't as interesting. Um, I'm finding this game has this weird um, way of using tables where if you don't have any ideas, you roll it and it tells you what the answer is. Mm-hmm. It's like if you encounter a random uh, NPC, you roll to see what their relationship is to you, whether they want to kill you, whether they want to be friends with you, or they're indifferent to you. Okay. And it's just like, it doesn't ask the questions that Notorious asks, and it leaves me kind of frustrated. And, like, I wish it didn't tell me the answers. I wish it sort of encouraged me to do more. But, like, instead, the approach to tables here is more like, you know, you don't have to think about this anymore. You don't have to worry about this world. This is just what happens. Um, and, yeah, it's it's a very interesting book. Yeah. It's a very interesting project. It's one of the, It's very, very, very popular. And I can see why it's it's beautiful and it's interesting, and it feels like a kind of simpler D and D, even though it's still recognizably a very D and D kind of game. But yeah, it's 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 interesting. The part that really caught on to me there is just like rolling to see how someone interacts with you. Mm-hmm. To transition over to Sworn by Ghostlight, I uh, yeah. got to play that by myself technically yesterday, but by the time it'll come out, who knows? Backup episode. Yeah, backup episode. Always have backups, folks. Um, but it has a similar table in there as well, too, along like a list of names, just 10 names to give you an idea. I use like three of those names and I switch to a name generator in the meantime. Mm. But you can also roll to see how people feel about you. You can also roll to see what kind of goal they have, uh, which I didn't really do that often. But I was able to kind of say, OK, well, Oracle, tell me if this is going to be more difficult. Yeah. Uh, how does this person react around me? Oh, they're hostile. Cool. So maybe they'll help me out on a five or a six. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, roll my challenge dice based on that. Mm. Just quickly, we, we've talked about Swarm by Ghostlight before, but what is it? <laughs> Swarm by Ghostlight is by uh, Matthew, J- uh, Matthew Johns. Hold on. I- Matthew John. I have it in front of me. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Uh, at Yui Garon. Yui Garon. Yui Garon dot itch dot io slash Swarm by Ghostlight. Yep. And the specific case I played was the Ebonwood Effigies. Yep. But there's Woods of Rot, which is a new one that's come out. It has a, di- a couple extra mechanics added in. Yeah. And this is a solo or cooperative uh, investigation game in the Victorian and London inspired city of Monopstone. Nope. Monethstone. We've talked Manethstone. about this game up last episode, but the, the, that, that, uh, I think it's called the Dipthon, I believe. It's like, yeah. it's a, it's yeah. a TH. But it's written like TH, that. Yeah. But it's Manethstone, which I think when we talked about this previously, I was just like, this is so cheeky. This all these like <laughs> all these weird letters. But yeah, this is this is something that like we've talked about before. And so this is cool. Yeah. And I I really do like how the game is set up and such. I uh, was playing it through Figma. So I was using Figma to just kind of make my little dots and keep track of all my information. What's Figma? It's like a graphic design or like project design website. Oh. Uh. So you can use it to make uh, assets if you want to. We've used it in one of the organizations I'm in for minor league esports. We use that for all of our social branding and making tournament brackets and advertisements, stuff like that. Mm. I use it in the basic form of I need this to be a circle with a number in the center. I need this text to be legible and I need to be able to change it. Stuff like that made it super easy to uh, function as well. I had like a really good time playing this game. and. Honestly, it was just very nice to be able to see everything on like two pages. I could find my questions and answers very quickly. It's very light to follow. You're in that driver's seat the entire time playing the game and you do not know what is causing all these deaths. You have your little prelude that says there has been another killing by this person who is leaving a charcoal drawing of a woman with an Ebonwood effigy in -hmm. the left hand of the victim. And uh, introduce you to one character who will be consistent along all stories. And you, your job is to find out what happened. So I played a character who didn't ha- have a memory of... I'm not going to spoil it because in case this episode does come out, I think it'd be cool if it, uh, yeah. for folks to find out the entire story. But you get to investigate, research. Uh, you're drawing your own leads. You're coming up with characters on the fly as you play. And you're going, okay, well... Here's the first part of the mystery. I have this person who's dead in front of me. I'm going to ask the obvious question of who was the last person to see them. Yeah. And so that becomes one of my uh, progress trackers. So I'm going to go ahead, put that on, figure out where this person is, and I'm going to roll to see what they have left in their hand. Sales receipt. Or it could have been a diamond ring. It could have been ghost echo because you are a occult detective. I did change the name to wardens because I was like, eh, I'm feeling blazy. Because you're making a... (laughs) Uh, 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 um, Blades of the Dark. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. I'm basically making Blades in the Dark. God, what if the Wardens were detectives? That's wild. In some sense, the Spirit Wardens and Blades in the Dark are also supposed to deal with anything ghost-like. Yeah. Like, they're not just, only jobs, not just containment, but, like, also finding out what mystical artifact or supernatural happening happened there, or, you know, try to take it for themselves. Yeah. Overall, the game felt very fun. It does say it's supposed to be run for three hours. I think I kind of rushed it a bit. I probably skipped a few steps. Mm. And you can definitely feel as I'm playing, like I'm learning some of the rules as I go. That's natural. Yeah, it's very natural. I do like the way the stats are clearly defined. 
and you can justify it. Like I had that moment of like, well, if I do this, it's going to be a bit more difficult. So I'm going to roll my challenge dice first to see what the challenge is. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that would have been more fun if I rolled the challenge dice first. Yeah. If it was a high difficulty, then I would probably pick a lower number stat to show how difficult it was. Yeah. Or kind of switched up. Like I justified like what kind of movement my character is making. And I definitely went to the point of like, oh, yeah, no, my character is going to sneak with a stat of one. Yeah. In that. You get to distribute your stats, you have your supply, your health, your spirit, and then momentum. And momentum is its own stat roll, but once you use it, you take it back to zero and you're back to using your usual stats. But it's for like the big roles that you want to succeed in and your momentum will build up as the case progresses. So you want to at least get weak hits. And then you have special moves for when you fail called pay the price. And... Honestly, I think pay the price could have been rolled at any time. I didn't use it too, too often. But what makes it fun and exciting on that end is when you uh, roll to pay the price and it adds an additional twist and you get locked out of a room. Yeah, actually, no, I did that once and it ended up with uh, additional complications in the game for my character. Even as a officer of the law, the law did not like it like them, which I thought was really like a nice fun twist of fate in that moment like i'm looking at the table now it says a trusted community slash person loses faith in you or acts against you mm-hmm. uh you are separated from someone or something um and one of the last ones is uh, a person such community you care about is exposed to danger and so that's basically whenever something bad happens whenever you like yeah. whenever you fail in addition to like losing stats or whatever or losing like is that right losing like like yeah. taking damage you yeah. basically roll to pay to the price mm-hmm. and that's really fun it's a really cool move. I had a really nice kick out of it. Yeah. So with that, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about breaking games. I this topic kind of came to mind whenever I was looking at uh, Twitter and there was a lot of people who brought up like a variety of like, oh, well, I play D&D this way or I play mm-hmm. my table this way or like I like to let my table try these new items with different magic abilities. Mm-hmm. And uh, have these ongoing projects like, you know, my ca- my table made a uh, long term project where we could actually teleport to different areas because we put yeah. a whole bunch of ritual sites throughout Dustfall. Yeah. Stuff like that. And we have like a variety of reasons on here. I think one of the ways I like breaking games is that it's not really breaking a game. It's more of an aesthetic feel. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a phrase for this called ribbons. So you yeah. make something. Is like I'm curious a, about ca- what this is. Yeah. Uh, ribbons actually came from, I think, one of the Discord conversations I saw in Roll Plus Bond at one point, where it, or maybe it might have been Armor Scare Advent, mm-hmm. it's a Discord group. But essentially, ribbons are more there for the aesthetic. So, like, the joke, the item description of, like, a cape, a cape of heroism is actually just the cape flutters in the wind the entire time, even though there's no wind. Mm-hmm. Um, a fan that floats up and just starts fanning you the entire time. So it doesn't uh, make any big mechanical changes, but it has like a style to it. So it's like yeah. ribbons kind of make it look nicer, even though it doesn't make it different. Is that mm-hmm. is that what the, the concept is? Yeah, basically, that's the idea of ribbons, which depending on how the game is made, can still be considered as like breaking game. But it's more of like it's more of like cracking a game instead of breaking it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. I do really like the concept of ribbons because it gives you a chance to like flavor your character a little bit more. You know, yeah, you have a 
and like I'm remembering like all the D and D stuff as well, where I straight up worked with uh my DM and said, "Hey, I want to make my uh one of the people we had at the table. He was playing a uh city guard who had dreams of becoming a wrestler." And I messaged the DM one day and said, hey, is there a way I can make a chair uh, like a weapon that transforms from an axe into a chair? So by changing the phrase, uh, give him the chair and it will just change into a bludgeoning weapon for him. (laughs) And he loved the idea of it so much. And it's just like, yeah, uh, you can do that. But typically this is like a ten thousand dollar investment. I will let you do it for two thousand dollars, but it can only become a chair and it it will only be this much, like, instead of, like, the game-breaking, like, 5d8 or something like that, it's still, like, a yeah. 2d6 weapon. Or it's, like, it's not, like, because I think, like, the, the if you use an improvised weapon or something, it's always d4. Yeah. Which is always disappointing, like, you just, like, hit someone with, like, a a pool cue or, like, hit them someone with a chair and it's always d4. I'm like, no! It's, it's, if you get hit by a chair or, like, a, a table, it's not d4. It's so much, you have to be more different with it. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you seen chair shots in wrestling game matches? They're, They're terrifying. Lattice, lattice? That's another thing in wrestling. I haven't <laughs> seen much wrestling. I've but. been watching way too much wrestling. <laughs> yeah. And it's also, like, I feel like, um, the ribbons thing is interesting because I feel like it's a lot of the times when you when you when you play a game and you get given an item, you're just like, all right, I know the rules for it. I know what it's called. Now, as the GM or as the player, I have to describe what it is, what it looks like. And that's that's always a fun moment. And it's like one of the things that like you don't really need rules for because like you get to tell a story and just like. I think I remember like improvising that that everyone had like a, a cloak a cloak of invisibility or something, and like I described it as like just a classic wizard robe where it's like blue and it has stars in it and stuff, and then when you put it on it becomes invisible so you don't see it anyway. But I just love the the little detail that it's just like it's a very corny, like <laughs> you know, nineteen. 19- 60s wizard or something with like a pointy hat and that mm-hmm. stupid robe a lot of the time the aesthetics of a game is kind of like ignored they just sort of let you come up with it yourself and it's very rarely like specified and so that's always fun it's so much fun to like be able to add that flavor and you know that's a good example of like why breaking games is fun i hmm. still imagine i still love like the individual rule sets for like specialty items from time to time yeah. And then there's like the other part of where the problem is in the system itself. You know, Mm. the game is a grinder. It is a, you know, the typical um, what's the what's that once a game that people always talking about? Like, oh, they nerfed it to make too easy now, but it used to be so difficult back in the day. I think it was Tomb of Horrors. D&D. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yes, that was that was Tomb of Horrors where everyone dies. And even some people who like really liked playing like a very difficult D game with just like holy crap i just like this is brutal this is really hard mm-hmm. and like now again nowadays just like oh i get to play a colonialist great <laughs> god um, the fucking colonialist conversation and it, it's kind of interesting because like i was talking about uh Morkborg, um this 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 episode and it similarly is a game where it's like very brutal intentionally it does have like 
things like omens, which which are kind of like blaze in the darks um, stress, where you can spend it to resist a consequence and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's rough. It's a game where you die. It's a lot of OSR games are things where like characters are disposable. You know, you can't like build a long lasting relationship like you would with uh, like um, Blades in the Dark or something like mm-hmm. that, where it's like, you know, you gotta people sort of fall apart and die and um and sometimes you just have a bad roll and next thing you know you have a heart attack trying to jump off a ledge yeah it's it's the disco elysium thing but it's not as it's not as fun as disco elysium because you don't get to make up your own character name this will make sense in the after show um and then yeah <laughs> like one of the things with morkborg that really got me is that no one has names it's like your name doesn't matter but it's just like I've played Dark Souls and you can like you kill gods frequently and mm-hmm. you end up being the big bad at the end of things. So it's just like Ugh. and so like yeah. So or like the hero. Depending on your interpretation well, of Dark Souls. Dark mm, I don't think you've become the hero in any Dark Souls of Blood Bowl. The hero game. of your own story. I guess. <laughs> uh <laughs> but yeah, and it's um and it's often like like even games like Blaze in the Dark have very brutal rules, and sometimes like breaking the game means that like, oh, I'm just like it could just be at the table that the the GM is just like, I'm just not gonna kill you. That's just not what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna like I'm gonna make the the difficulty less so you don't die because I want to keep you. I want to keep your character alive because you seem to be enjoying them. Mm. Um, but it's it's so interesting how that is limited because you're still playing. Morkborg, and you're still playing, uh, you know, Blaze in the Dark, and it's still a very brutal game, and it's hard. Um, which is, I think, I think is a big reason why I'm always just like, whenever I'm like talking about a game, I'm always just like, if we would change the rules to something else, that doesn't matter. That's not the rules as written. We'd be playing a different game. But at the same time, just because like the rules say the game is a certain way and that is a big influence on the way you play even if you make those changes because even if you say like oh it's not going to be as rough you'll constantly come across like different rules that reinforce that it is dark it is hard or it is easy and light and doesn't have the darkness that you want i had some i still remember i had a conversation with someone i said oh yeah no if you like you know, Forge games and stuff like that. Have you checked out Songs for the Dusk? And they said, oh, that game is way too optimistic for me. And I went, excuse me? It's still Blades in the Dark, which is not which is not a, a lighthearted game. It is, it is, even if it's like modifies a lot of the rules, it still has that lineage. You are still trying to build a community surrounded by an empire. Yeah. And like a whole bunch of people who want to oust your community or assimilate them. Yeah. It's still a cyberpunk game like Blades in the Dark. And the the way these games like become difficult, where like you want to change up the 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 rules of it in order to make it feel a little bit better, mm. and you know sometimes it's just like oh well I don't like how the rules work here. I kind of want I don't really want a dice pool. I want it to be like one series of dice, maybe a couple bonuses. Yeah. Or I don't really like the way combat feels. It feels too stunted and a little slow or slow. Yeah. And not to throw D and pathfinder in the bus but sometimes it's just like or lancer for that matter lancer has this issue yep. too where you're just like kind of okay well i need to do this and then i'm gonna do my quick action here and then i'm gonna do my free action here and then action search get another bit of this and i'm gonna move here free free action bonus action bonus action yeah uh, full barrage 
And, you know, 15 minutes later, it goes to the next person's turn. You're still just kind of waiting to go, trying to figure out what to do next. Yeah. But some people don't really want that level of thinkiness. Sometimes you want to be like, I would like to hit this person and I would like to make it, you know, see if I succeed in doing so. And then I will describe how that happens. And the reason why I'm bringing all these different things up is like those are core functionalities of games. Yeah. And you actually forwarded a really cool uh, blog post from Fail Forward called The Three Rules Rule, where yes. if there are three or more functionalities of the TTRPG that would change, I should seriously consider make, playing a different game or just making something from scratch. Uh, and you were the one who brought this up, so tell me a little bit more about... So I, I brought this up. I added it to the to the little document we have, but it actually came from um, the Indie RPG blog, which is uh, Thomas Manuel um at chai by post um basically talked about it in a blog post i think a couple weeks ago now because this is initially a topic we were going to talk about uh two weeks ago we brought it up um but yeah it's it's as you say the three rules rule is if you change more than three functionalities of a tv rpgs you should train uh, find something else and it's an interesting thought um i think even in the blog post they uh they they kind of change it and say like this is this is it's not like a hard and fast rule it's not a thing that you should always do um and in fact like i wouldn't do this it's kind of it's an interesting thing it's like it's like one of these things that it's it's an illuminating rule than a rather than a rule that i would always use um because like yeah i have i have played dnd and i have changed so many rules i've changed so many rules that i became a game designer and uh it was exhausting to do because i'm again like you're constantly fighting against the system and saying like this isn't the experience i want this is the experience i want to do um and so considering the three rules rule is is interesting because yeah sometimes you just got to be aware of that and just just like be kind to yourself and not overwork yourself on on things you make um but yeah it's also it's 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 an interesting way of of thinking about games it's an interesting way of of sort of you know approaching how much change how much like fighting with the system you should do before you look for another game um, and I'm always, I'm always down for people like changing up the game and looking for other things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's one of these interesting little, little, little tidbits that I'm always just like, oh, that's so interesting. It's such an interesting way of approaching, um, games and hacking them because I don't know, mm -hmm. I'm always finding that I'm changing games and, and changing rules and adapting things. And I like this rule because it makes me think like, do i actually want to play this game or should i should i try something else so yeah yeah and i find that kind of pops up a lot though where like um it's it's fascinating to see like how different people will play certain games too i think pulling from my own experience i love like i you know i'm one of those common people who like say listen fortune of the dark is so much fun i love doing this i love the long-term projects yeah i love the action roles and such i i do not like the trauma mechanic i don't like that it nope. will take out my character after i hit four yeah and i have been very forward about saying that yep and so you know that's me changing one of the rules the healing mechanic is a rule that is optional that you can change in you yep. can also add the gambit's rule from scum and villainy into your game if you want yeah that does not change my game i still want to be in this industrial fantasy as yeah. a scoundrel trying to make my own carving out my own place in the world which tends actually to be i want to overthrow the entire emperor empire yeah. 
you know it's the three rules rules a very fascinating like way to approach games too is like now i'm starting to think like all the games i've played in the past that i'd be like yeah would this mean i want to change it so you know jumping all the way back to like say ryutama ryutama mm-hmm. is a very fantasy light delightful uh j jtrpg um i do not like the inventory rules i do not care for them yeah i think rolling and waking up and then immediately injuring myself sucks yeah but i like the combat maps of like being able to roll those out and like putting stuff around i think that's really cool i like the zoning aspect of it there's a lot of different things in the different games that make me think do I want to play something in this world or do I want to change this, a different system entirely? Because if Ryutama yeah. doesn't work, uh, then maybe I want to play uh, Rhine instead. Yeah. Maybe I want to play something like that. I mean, that's one of the things. Like, one of the things with Mokborg is that I fucking love this world. I Like, it's such a fun world. There is, like, a bunch of basilisks who are just gods and they just influence stuff. And I'm like, I want to be in this world, even if I don't want to roll a d20 every time I do it. It's like, yeah, it's it's such an interesting thing in that, like, sometimes a game can have an absolutely brilliant world and a, and a system you don't like. And I don't know, my, my, my instinct is always just, like, make your own system. Like, you can't steal a world. Like, I wouldn't steal, like, the, the Morkborg world, although you can always do, do, do hacks and do, like, do, like, supplementary materials. Like, I've been doing a lot of, I've been writing a lot of supplementary materials for a bunch of games. And that's always fun because you approach a system that you like or like a, a world that you like, and then you add like what you wish was there. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's always a really fun thing. And yeah, I also really like it when a game, like, I mean, it's different, uh, but like, it, I, I, one of the things I really like about Blades in the Dark is it has very loose rules for making long-term projects and making things like magic items or like items. I don't think there's, I mean, they can be magic, but yeah, where it's just like it encourages you to sit down and design things. It encourages you to make up your own uh, kind of like things and um, it sort of gives you rules for making that up. It's kind of different to like Dungeon World, which says like, oh, you can make up any race you want, but doesn't really supply you with the rules. You can just kind of mess with it and saying like, we didn't do this, so you do this. Um, and simply in, in Morkbog, there is like a lot of rules where it doesn't really tell you how you travel or how you, how you do merchants. It just says that things have money values. And so you basically are encouraged to just like, oh, I'll come with the rules that aren't actually in the book. You could always also go the Lancer route where every iteration of the game is true. It's all locked up in like a giant, uh, what is it? Like a giant collection of data mines who are all running multiple simulations of what's going on in the known uh lancer universe what oh yeah no that's lore that's massive press lore right there okay every game of lancer is canon oh even the shitty ones i mean i feel like a lot of tabletop games do that but do you mean like the different editions are also true like the different like updates of the system like the yeah like the additional supplements and such they're all different simulations all being run at the same time trying to predict what would happen in the future it's wild I've been reading uh, Kill Six Billion Demons, and it seems like something that goes in... Because it's the same writer, right? Between that and and Lancer uh, and Icon. Same artist, at least. Yeah. Um, But that seems like something that would be in that <laughs> <the> comic. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
It's extremely fascinating. I think another thing is that, like, I, I do want to really emphasize that, like, I like breaking games and I like ignoring the three rules rule because, like, it encourages you to just be like, to make games like a big part of why I'm a game designer and and also like why I like talking about and reading um, tabletop RPGs is that it's so much fun just being like, this isn't quite right. What could change? What could make it different? Or like, I like changing up the rules and coming up with fun new ideas and trying like, I always come across like certain games have like problems. Like there's something about resistance that isn't quite right. There's something like it's fun, but it's like it needs its beam saber, which I think is Fathom. I'm just like, again, returning to Fathom. But like, mm-hmm. I love breaking games because it encourages you to like change things up. It encourages you to to have agency with the rules and to like mm-hmm. have the freedom to really interact with a with a book. Like it encourages that like yeah. writer's room aspect of like this is a shared storytelling experience and we're going to break the rules to ensure that everyone can have a good time yeah and um i've heard people like talk about like texts and how like people like interact with texts and like the idea is that like a text is not complete until someone interacts with it i'm not sure if that's the exact mm-hmm. like like phrase or the belief but that was like a game study study buddies um thing they talked about but it's it's the idea that like a tabletop RPG isn't actually done until someone interacts with it and changes it. It's a collaboration that continues. It's like, you know, the whole death of the author thing, which is something that I still don't quite understand. I know that Foucault came up with it or something, but it's yeah. the idea that you have to interact with a book and you have to respond to it and collaborate with it in that way. And so I feel like breaking games might be different to that. Like that might be like sort of like that's a certain response to a game rather than just playing it as written um but i like people having the freedom to break a game and i think like whenever i write a game if it sucks and you want to change something or you want to just do something else with the with an idea that you like just like do it it's so much fun i'm I'm so excited to see someone like take an idea and and run with it and yeah i love breaking games so much fun it's fun (laughs) breaking the rules it is it is and yeah like I think overall the main reason to break the rules of a game is to kind of engage with the table a bit yeah. more too. Like, I think I I like my 3.5 group. I love hanging out with them. Yeah. But we do modules a lot. It's pre-written adventures and such. <sighs> and, you know, it's it I I'm gonna give credit to the module. It's nice to be able to just read through something, make some ba- make some quick notes, and just be able to run a session on that. Mm. You know, low pro like low spoons real easy to get to yeah i the part that gets hard actually no this is the funny part i almost broke a module at one point that we were playing (laughs) back in uh 2019 where i i'm one of those kind of people when i play video games i like to run into the walls try on every item and uh you know i want to up those intelligence and like analytical stats because i want to know every little bit of lore yeah my character was kind of built around that, and I could not figure out what this one magic item was supposed to do. And so in a moment of stubbornness, we found this ring in a dragon's lair that we were supposed to hunt down. That was supposed to be like a necromantic dragon who 
was supposed to be the uh, avatar of like an age of worms. Yeah. Uh, in the system. And we found like a dead body in there of someone we knew. And we found this ring. And I was like looking at it, looking at it, going, well, it takes an hour to identify. I don't have an identify spell on me. Hey, uh, I'm going to just put the ring on and I teleport away <laughs> <laughs> into a person who we thought was an ally at the time. Yeah. And so I just have to sit there while my party is like finishing exploring the dungeon. It's Elden Ring, baby. Put on the ring, baby. <laughs> and what would have been even funnier is technically that is a bit of me breaking the module a bit because if I was trapped in a bubble for a little bit. And when the party came to come get me, one of uh, the party members sent out their like little scout eyes to go check out and see what else is in this area because we find out it's like our allies place. Mm. We called them up. We said, hey, we have a friend locked in your bubble. Yeah. <laughs> They uh, accidentally punched in the alarm code and uh, got into your house and are locked in. Yeah. But uh, apparently if we had like opened any of the doors, we wouldn't get the hint that this person was actually a villain the entire time. We didn't know. And we did not know until uh, the reveal of them betraying us and trying to kill us. Yeah. But That's sorry, that was like one of the big. My whole point with like modules is like it's kind of a rigid kind of almost railroady. Yeah. Bit. And, but those are something that you can like springboard off of and break very easily as well once you play it, like, or once you read through it once or twice. And that's kind of the point of game dev. That's kind of the point of like playing tabletops with your friends is finding out what they want to see. And if you have something that's close but not it, break it. Yeah. Shatter it in half. That's interesting. I like the idea, the, the thinking of breaking games is, is like something that plays do kind of without knowing it. That they just kind of like mm -hmm. stumble in and just absolutely smash the game because that's like that's play testing, baby. That's 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 play testing, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like what it is. Um, and yeah, like I was gonna say, like in regards to like modules, I always approach it. I'm gonna, this is gonna sound pretentious, but I always approach it like kind of like a play in that like this is the script, this is what is written. But I get to interpret it different ways and I get to like play the characters different ways and sort of like approach the 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 the, the sometimes like the the order in which scenes happen. And I get to like see players like react to things in different ways, depending on the way it goes. Like I once played The Lost Minds of Fandelva, which is the same uh like opening quest as like adventure 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 zone, like the first adventure zone thing. Yep. It doesn't take long to do. I think it's like a 20 page thing. I played that for a year. I played that for maybe two years of just like going through these things, exploring the the woods, going to the, the, the druid area, which wasn't in the original module, going to the, the Firewatch Towers and like building a map. And like, I absolutely smashed the three uh, uh, rules rule, but I had so much fun building that and like talking about all the weird mechanics. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I like plays. I like games. Games are good. I need. I want to find more time to play games. I my library keeps on building up. Mm. Yeah, it's it's like I haven't played in a while. It's kind of interesting in that like we're doing a tabletop game, but I haven't like aside from like a game of Fortnite Monopoly, which I played recently, um, have not done that much. So, mm. IDK. Yeah, I just wanted to go back and check out the river. The river is just so interesting to me. Yeah, it's like a narrative survival game. Is it solar? Uh no, it's two to six players. So okay, we could do a we could do a, a a backup game or something of like that. I'd be down for that. Yeah, 
we could probably find some time to do that sometime this weekend, maybe. Mm. Any final thoughts about breaking games? Breaking games, good. You should break, break games. Breaking games, good. Break the rules. That's all you need to hear, baby. Yeah. But also consider your time and consider how much effort you want to put into to breaking a game and whether you would like to play a different game as opposed to playing a game that you're struggling with. Yeah. Sometimes struggling with a game might mean you need to learn a new system. And there's a difference between like struggling with a game you know a bit about hmm. and not feeling that satisfaction from it. And then struggling to learn a new game from scratch. Yeah. And, uh, you know, where you have to go through all these different mediums of like listen to the game be uh, rules being explained to you in an audio file or reading the book itself yeah. or watching an actual play where they break down all the mechanics, watching a how to play on the game. I think that it's like a ton of YouTube series I've seen uh, break down like how to play Blades in the Dark or how to play Powered by the Apocalypse type yeah. games or how to play Spire and Heart and all that good stuff. Which is great. But yeah. Yeah. I also like one of my one of my tips. I'll just say it very quickly is that uh, if you. If you read a book with the intention of trying to talk to it, uh, talk about it on a podcast, or if you <laughs> try to do it by like t- like running a game for players, it's 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 very helpful in learning. That's like mm-hmm. that's my main approach to it. In that, like, I don't I don't have time to listen to all the actual plays and stuff like that. Um, but like, I like approaching it from that angle and like having this like I gotta have to explain this like what what does this mean and spending time investigating that. That's a lot of fun mm-hmm. and it's a very useful way I found. Yeah, because in some actual plays, like there'll be instances in a book that will pop up, which you'll have a rule explaining that, but you won't ever actually get to. Yeah. Or get to hear in action. But if you play for a table yourself, if you're able to pull a couple people together or like say, hey, I want to GM this. And someone says, oh, I've run that before. Do you want me to run it for you or do you want me to sit at the table? Yeah. And putting them in the table position, it you can... F- manufacture that instance of where that rule can pop up if you need to yeah but yeah uh marley what are you up to good god it is it is again one of those (laughs) weeks where things are happening it's it's the it's i have a lot of weeks where i just work and have a lot of weeks generally at the end of the month when stuff is occurring um so close to when this comes out um i'll have two projects which is a world building game and a systemless adventure about breaking into a mansion and then fortifying against other people who are also breaking into a mansion um, available on Let's Roll, which is let's-roll.com, um, available if you subscribe to their PlayPass program. Um, I'm not entirely sure if if they if you have to sub- if you get all of them as a group when you subscribe. Um, uh, to to explain quickly, uh, Let's Roll is a virtual tabletop similar to something like um, Roll20 or uh, Multiverses, what's mm. that thing called? One More Multiverse? Uh, one More Multiverse is another VTT, yeah. It's the pixelated one. They just started like supporting Blades in the Dark recently, actually. Yeah, which is really cool. And um, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, basically working for Let's Roll, doing a bunch of freelance projects, and so they're both available there um but i also have free reign to, to publish it elsewhere so if you would like the game feel free to send me an email at minorlenahan at gmail.com and i'll send it to you for free because that's what i feel like yeah. doing um and yes i also am in the progress of writing a goncharov game goncharov goncharov yeah which is the tumblr thing there's the there's a itch.io game jam and i'm like i'm gonna write that 
I've got 11 what? days to write it. And so it is currently coming together. I'm not entirely sure what it is, uh, but I hopefully we'll get something together um, in time. Gunshot Game Jam. Hold on. I have to look this up. So it's great. Gunshot is a fucking weird scenario where it just popped up overnight no it isn't so it is it is a film made in 1973 by by martin scorsese starring uh a bunch of really famous people it's got uh um uh, robert de niro it's got uh gene hackman it's got sybil shepherd and a bunch of other people just filming a weird and really good um uh mobster film it's like one of the greatest mobster films of all time about a russian who goes to naples and the, the fun fun thing about it is it literally got invented a month ago someone just like sat down on tumblr there was like a shoe label it was like martin scorsese presents uh goncharov and so a bunch of people have been like writing like analytical essays talking about their impressions playing uh like watching it talking about their favorite scenes doing fan art of these things that don't exist and so, yeah, the, the, the Goncher of Game Jam oh, okay. is like, it has a bunch of like critical theory and stuff like that. And it's very fun. It's like a bunch of people like taking like a, a movie that doesn't exist and just like talking about it like it's real. Like people have posted the, um, the, the music for it, um, which is just music they made. And just like, oh, I love this theme. I love the Clock Tower theme from that great scene in the Clock Tower. That was so good. And like the the motive, the recurring motive of the clock ticking, like the gun, uh, the 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 grand uh, grandfather clock, and so yeah, I I like this thing. I found out about it like a couple weeks ago when like oh like a week ago when the um jam started, and I was just like oh this sounds really fun, and so I'm just like pulling I, together things. I was so convinced this was a fake movie. It is a fake movie, Cole. I was lying. Oh my. It's, you don't know. That's the great thing. Like people, people are gaslighting everybody about the existence of this film. <laughs> I hate this. I hate this bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Games about the meta story surrounding the creation of Guntrov, nineteen seventy three. Yeah, it's so funny. Guntrov is a film that might or might not exist about the Naples Mafia, directed by Martin Scorsese, written by Matteo J W H J O seven one five. Yeah, that's the name. By num oh, God. I. I was so convinced it's a fake movie, and then I'm right about that, but also now I'm questioning everything I know. I love it. This is, so this is, while Tumblr, while, while, while Twitter is falling apart and becoming more and more racist and horrible and, 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 and all this kind of thing. Fuck Twitter. Tumblr is, is, is out there doing absolutely bonkers stuff, as they always did. This is the Mishapocalypse back again. Everyone's talking about Gontrov. People harassing uh, Neil Gaiman about it. Like Neil Gaiman answered like fifteen or like twenty posts about Gontrov just to get rid of them. That might not even be true. Someone might have just made that up. But I saw that on Tumblr and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, and so yeah, I really like Gontrov because it's a very very strange thing. And I also really like Scorsese films. I'm just like, neato. I get to talk about Scorsese films a little bit. So um, fucking weird. It's so weird. Uh, I. Just real quick, can I talk about how funny it is that Tumblr is now going back into being the haven? All all the weird and like strange things are going back to, and like how people are going to start. It will not last. It will not last. Tumblr is held together by duct tape and spit. Yeah, and even then, right now, it's somehow gaining value back. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's always been a very funny and weird uh, social media platform. I used to be on it way back when, and so it's like, 
I still am on it. I've been actively on it. I just retweet stuff from time to time. Uh, not retweet, reblog stuff from there from time to time, but yeah. I don't really interact. I think at one point I might have just like tried using it to promote Twitch, and that works for some folks, but it, it doesn't really, I don't really do the Tumblr thing of like, follow for follow. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I enjoy reading yeah. it. I don't enjoy posting on it. So there yeah. are so many terrible posts on there and terrible. I mean, in a funny way, not terrible. It's in like Twitter. Terrible. Yeah. But yeah. What have you been up to? <laughs> oh, shit. What have I been up to? Um, I'm hitting some downtime. Finally, yes. one of the shows I'm in has uh, we're winding down. We did our last episode over the weekend. We're going to do like a little wrap up episode coming up. And that's going to be pre-recorded. So it's going to be super easy. I'm just going to get my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Shout out my projects. That's it. Um, I got word back that a, a game that I signed up for is in the running. I have made. I am going to be one of the cast members, and I'll oh, be Chris. playing in a Beam Saber project. Uh, so keep an eye out for more news about that. I am actually waiting to see when we're going to start announcing stuff for that, and we oh. might even have a guest come on and talk about it. Ooh, neat! Mm-hmm. Sorry for that. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, engaged in wedding planning and looking at some stuff. Uh, I did a fun. Uh, job application to the Pokemon company because they need an <gasps> esports manager. Oh, I thought you'd write it and just like, look, this is what's wrong with Pokemon. Everyone buckle up. <laughs> oh, God, I could do that. I could do that. That that's would probably if that goes out, though, that's probably going to fuck up my application. But, you know, <laughs> the the downside is if I do end up working for Pokemon, I have to fly out to Bellevue and live there. And I don't know if I want to live in Washington State at this time. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Washington State is in as in Twilight area. As in Twilight area where the big redwoods are. Fuck. And it's like not that far away from Seattle. So, like, I will be paying a lot of rent. Yeah. Oh, you probably get paid a lot. I yeah, it's looking that way, and be so bad. more than I'm getting paid now. Yeah. Oh, uh, good luck with that. I think as well, and tell them what's wrong with their game. Yeah. Hey, your game is shit and buggy. Stop putting your <laughs> fucking developers in crunch time. Yeah, I don't think they'll start with and, crunch, but they might make a better story. Yeah, it's a whole fucked up system, hmm. and. What's even more wild is they're not going to put out any patches anytime soon because they've sold over 100 million units of uh, Scarlet yeah. and Violet. Yeah, they didn't need to. Yeah. Why Why do I need to fix it? We've made our money back. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Marvel problem. Yeah. God. Well, I think with that, though, this was Inside the Table, a tabletop RPG talk show. And thank you so much for listening. I was Cole, and you can follow me at IceColdBrew on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, Hive, co-host. And uh, uh, Tumblr as well. And my pronouns are he, him, they, them. And joining me today was... I was Molly. You can follow me at Minor underscore Lenahan on Twitter. At Minor hyphen Lenahan on co-host. <laughs> I think it's Minor hyphen Lenahan on Hive. If you just search for Minor Lenahan, it's pretty easy. Actually, I have a, a link tree. I've actually set all that up so it all works. So it's link... Linktr.ee slash minor underscore Lenahan, and you'll basically find all my links there. Um, there's so many social media programs. It's been an overwhelming couple of weeks, oh, exhausting God. and terrible. Um, and my pronouns mm-hmm. are he, him. Mm-hmm. And this podcast can be found on Twitter while it's still alive over at Inside the Table or on co-host, which will hopefully stay alive for a long time, at Inside the Table. Also on 
<laughs> also on linktree dot dot uh slash inside the table all the links are found there uh you can leave a review on apple podcast or spotify for us you can leave a uh written review on apple podcast specifically which is very important to us if you have any questions about the show or you want us to check out a game or talk about a certain mechanic or system or something that like really confuses you about the tabletop community you can send in your questions in at inside the table finally if you enjoyed this podcast Recommend it to a total stranger, maybe someone in a post-apocalyptic world with no name, no face, um, and it's just bad for everyone all around. Or, you know, maybe you roll the dice uh, and maybe you do some very funky disco dance at them, just like our good friend Harry would in Disco Elysium. I was very, I was struggling to follow that one. <laughs> uh, we are currently Excellent. we are currently a uh, five star podcast on Apple Podcasts with the r- two reviews that we have last time. If someone's written on that, I cannot read it still. Um, but yeah, thanks thanks for rating. Keep keep recommending. Keep sharing. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. All the links are found at linkter.ee slash inside the table. All the little things mm. there. And it, it's brown. I've sorted that out, so it looks brown now. Anyway. <laughs> and don't forget, every day is Five Star Friday here at Inside the Table. If there is a game you like, whether it's a tabletop RPG, a video game, or a, a LARP of some kind, go out, give it a like, give it a five-star rating. Tell the developer why you like their game so much, what attracted you to their game, and make sure they know, because that means so much in the community. Yeah. And with that... I think that'll do it for us today. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me, and y'all have a good night. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. (laughs) Adios. Oh, God. I wonder why we squawk. That's a weird Uh, thing. Goodbye. I don't know, but... (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Ah. Yes, yes, precious. What? What are you talking about? The little little fucking crow in Dark Souls 2 and uh, Dark Souls 1. They don't say precious, that's Gollum. I don't know. What what, what did I say? You said precious. Um, Yes, yes, precious. Pumperoo, pumperoo. There it is. (laughs) All right, there we go. (laughs) Cockeroo? What are you talking about? Pumperoo, pumperoo, you know? What? You've never heard. You've never heard the little crow in the nest go. Where you accept, uh, trade shiny objects and like rare objects get other rare things instead. Cole, would would if someone if you went up to anyone and asked that question, like <laughs> how do you not know Pomperoo with the little bird in the nest and goes that that? Like when I think of crows in Dark Souls, I think of Bloodborne, the weird little things that jump up at you. Like I don't know what Pomperoo is. What are you talking about? Pomperoo is a Norse god. <laughs> I'm going to find you a little YouTube video about the fucking crow. I'm already Googling it. Pompero Dark Souls? Is this the one where you curl up in a ball? Yeah. But, like, there's a second nest off to the side. Pampero? Pickle pea. There you go. Pumperum. Pumperum. What are you talking about? Hold on. Let Give me get me this snuggly the crow out here. I need to see this now because it just it seems bonkers to me. <laughs> You just said Pomperoo out of nowhere, and I'm like, how do I respond yeah. to this? Yeah, Pomperoo. It's supposed to be Pomperum or a uh, Pickle Pea. Why?
Because that's what they say. Snuggly the crow. No. <coughs> this is going to be in the recording. You. I hope so. I haven't stopped recording yet, me, so. Me, yeah. Pickled Pea. <coughs> me. Me. Bum, this is bum, a woman. <coughs> you. You. <coughs> me. Me. Pickled Pea. <coughs> me. Me. What? Oh, it's supposed to be the second one. It's Pumper Rum. I'm, I'm listening to that one. Yeah. It's getting faster. What? The fuck? You. You. I. No. I am very happy you are confused. Is there context? No, you're just supposed to trade items. You're supposed to trade like certain things to get other things from this uh, creature. You, you. Do you have like right. video of you encountering this for the first time on like a stream, or is this something that no, no, I do not. I have yet to. Uh, I think Holly might on her channel. Okay. Because what the fuck? How do you respond to that? Like, I don't even have the scene. I'm just, like, hearing this voice actress doing this fucking voice, and it's weird. Oh, what the it's fuck? It's a good voice actress. Good voice actress. I imagine that would be fun to record, but, like, what the fuck was that? Anyway. Mm-hmm. That's a podcast. Right, I'm gonna... <laughs> that's a podcast? We're gonna have so many, like, bloopers at the end. <laughs> I hate it. Two seconds, I'm gonna get my water. Oh my lordy. Shit. <laughs> oh, I should probably open up time.is, shouldn't I, just in case. I mean, we're not, like, recording recording yet, but, you know. Oh, yeah. Disco Elysium. Wait, you went to go get water. I'm just gonna keep talking to myself while, uh, you've done that. So, huh. so yeah, how's how's Disco Elysium been going? I love Disco Elysium. Disco Elysium is a fucking ride. I was playing it, I think, at like eleven o'clock last night. Oh, still there? Uh, yeah. Can you hear me? Oh yes, my my headphones fell over and unplugged themselves, and I didn't realize it because they were still in the thing. Continue. <laughs> but yeah, no, I uh, I started playing Disco Elysium. It's been a wild ride. And um, mm. I played it at like 11 o'clock last night and was laughing the entire time with the, like various interactions, the light being too bright and actively doing harm to you, mm. um, giving myself a heart attack, I think, three times last night and two times today when I was playing it. I legitimately never died in that game. And it was so wild because I was like keeping a keen eye on all my health and stuff. And so I was always like when people are sharing all the fun, like, uh, uh, the news clips and stuff i was like what is this i've never seen this before and <laughs> it seems much more fun doing it your way god it it has been so much fucking fun i still so i died twice and mm. i restarted my save entirely because um i didn't realize i could just load an autosave mm. and the first time i died i think i died because i tried to jump off a ledge to go get my police coat Oh, and you fell? No, I didn't fall. I backed off going, what the shit? What am I doing? What the fuck? Volition yelling at me. The divine yeah. volition. <laughs> uh, Do you think they got it from? 
That's a Twilight Mirage joke if you haven't listened to the season yet. When but, was um, Volition? Wait, Twilight Mirage. Yeah, there's a uh, Volition. And that's I'm trying also to figure out your if, stats. Yeah, if Volition and Twilight Mirage came before or after uh, Disco Elysium. Uh, that's a good question. Because I, I know that they came... were like interested in that. I think Disco Elysium came out after Twilight Mirage. Because. Yeah. It was 20, June 29, 2017. Yeah, that seems way before. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was I like saw it on a YouTube video, and I was like talking about Disco Elysium for like years and years, and just like like going to like you know classes, and just being like, all right, now close your eyes and picture like a a game where all your stats talk to you, and you run around and you do detective work, and I was like looking at all like the the UI and trying to figure out what the game works and how like you know, equipment does things. And I was even like doing like rudimentary, like tabletop games to sort of like simulate what I thought the game would be like. Mm -hmm. I was obsessed with it. What a good game. It's so fun. Um, it's, I love that idea. And I think I've seen some tabletop games kind of emulate that before where like you all take mm -hmm. turns playing one person, but you're all sharing like different aspects. Yeah. Like John or something. You're all John. Uh, Last Sentinels does this actually. Last Sentinels oh, interesting. presents the hero. Uh, your teenage character, like you play other characters, but also you are playing their like hope and defeat and uh, all these different aspects and like major themes in the story. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. Who's, who did Lost Sentinels? Uh, Jason Price. Who also did Notorious. I remember like seeing yeah. that recently. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, no, I remember my second my second life i changed up i went with the randomized stats option because i thought that really? was funny yeah okay randomized stats but uh i my skill set i think is the uh drama the one that lets you lie and oh, detect yeah. lies yeah i love that thing but um the second playthrough i uh went to go talk to the cafe manager he was like you owe me 130 real yeah and i I now and this time instead of like showing my meager change and not understanding the concept of currency, which is a funny mm. fucking conversation, I uh, opted to sneak out unnoticed and failed. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that that scene succeed because like the failure is like you running away, flipping the birds, and then crashing into a, a woman in a wheelchair. I, I think that's one of the scenes you have to auto. It auto fails you. It tells yeah. you you have a chance of succeeding, but you will not succeed. Someone must succeed. Someone must have succeeded. I love it. It's so good. But I, really, I just really love the runaway and then no control. Harry turns around. I also love he doesn't know his name ever. Yeah. It takes forever. It's, it's kind of weird. Like, I don't know. I'll let you play it. But the name thing always sort of strikes me as weird because have you got an option to choose what your name is? Yeah, I tried to. I uh, tried to come up with my own name and my... First time it was like Raphael, yeah, uh, something or other. I was also Raphael. I think it was Tequila Sunrise at another point. Um, Ooh, I hope I can be Tequila Agent Tequila Sunrise. Yeah, <laughs> put it right rolls. up there with Detective Kansas Gang. <laughs> I think it. Yeah, it's oh god, Kansas Gang. I I was um, going back to listen to that episode. I'm trying to find clips to like 
pull out to put on different social media and like was that in a recording that wasn't a that recording? was bank bank utopia episode three. Oh yeah we talked about it but we didn't we didn't we didn't record the the session i don't think no we did not record no, the I session didn't. yeah that's a shame it is it is what it is you can always play a future oh my god my friend has made dumplings and i wish oh, they weren't fuck. in boston right now tell him to send it over yeah hold on let me send a message to him real quick hey can you send that here hmm i'll take four to go yeah i'll take 40 uh, but yeah, no, just the whole scene of like turning around, flipping off and getting the option to say, <laughs> fuck you, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and crashing into a woman in a wheelchair who is perfectly fine, by the way. Have you have you spoken to the little woman in the wheelchair? Yeah, she is so sweet. She gave me a pen. Have you spoken to her about cryptids? I have not spoken to her about cryptids yet. You should but I'm speak going to, to her about cryptids. They're really good. Oh, it's it's one of my favorite parts of that game, honestly. Oh boy, I cannot wait. It's great. It's like it, I mean, it is like a I think a forty hour game. At least it was for me. Um, so there's a lot of game to still play and get through. Um, but I liked it. I liked it. There were some moments where I'm just like, like every five hours I came across something that was just like, oh god, this is I don't really like this game, and then all the rest of it just rules. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's uh, definitely that point where like I made the mistake in my first playthrough before my death of talking to the kids. I'm never talking to them ever again. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> I don't unless I have to. I will not. I like Kuno. Did you punch him? I did not. I resisted the urge. He's like. <laughs> Oh, you want to punch Kuno, don't you? You want to beat yeah. the shit out of me just like Kuno's dad. I'm like, bro. Yeah, that's yeah. That's one of those things. Have you have you found anything about Kuno S? I have not, no. I okay. uh, I have avoided all of them. I've just okay. moved on with life, ignored any notes they gave me. <laughs> yeah. They're they're such interesting weirdo characters. They're awful, but like I don't know. It's so rare that you get like a kid like an annoying kid who's just like yelling at you it, this um, is the thing about kids though generally i'm not gonna say all kids but generally there are kids who are just fucking assholes yeah and you know what disco elysium pegged kids exactly yeah do you know that there's like this thing Paradise Punch is fucking minging. Hold on, I'll show you this this thing. Oh boy. Which is someone discovered Kuno in real life. Oh and I will no! Show this to you now. It's very funny. It's it's okay. It's just like this this like incredibly destructive little kid. I've just started this calypso. It is fucking minging. Paradise Punch Lemonade. <laughs> it's just fucking minging. <laughs> Suck your dad. It's minging. Oh it's fucking minging. <laughs> uh, it's great. I like that. Oh, God. I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> the kids aren't great, but I kind of like, I like, I don't know. I, I grew up with a little roll doll, like awful kids and that kind of thing. Mm hmm. And so I like seeing awful kids. It's very fun to me. 
mm-hmm. just like kids doing awful things because <laughs> it's what they do. Because kids um, can be awful. Yeah, 